This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Uh. I'm Seth Peterson. Hi, I'm Debbie Hedren. I'm Rhonda Schwartz. I'm Josh Roberts. This is Jesslyn Gilson. Hello, I'm Victor Webb. Hi, this is Charlotte Ross. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. What's up, you guys? This is AJ from the Backstreet Boys. Hi, this is Shannon Elizabeth, and you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. And you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. With John Patch. John Patch. You're listening to Talkin' Pets with John Patch. Hello, America, and welcome to Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. Join John and his expert guests with all of your pet questions, concerns, comments, and stories. Now it's time for Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. And welcome to Talkin' Pets, heard coast-to-coast on your favorite radio station. This is Talkin' Pets, and I'm John Patch. Joining us from Animal Planet, Good Dog You, is... Jay Stutz. Here to answer your training questions, your behavior questions, and if you have those first aid questions, pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 844-305-7800. When you call into that number, you'll speak with Darian, and he'll put you on the air with us. That's 844-305-7800. The show is produced here at the farm by... Kayla Cavanaugh. Thank you, Kayla. But once again, you're listening to... Talking Pets. Let's have some fun, everybody. Some icky, squishy, gooey fun. <laughs> icky, squishy, gooey, ooey. Icky, squishy, gooey, ooey. Icky, squishy, gooey, ooey. Look what we can do. First up on the icky list, paint. Squeezing through our fist. It's the best, don't you know? Try both hands and let it go! And once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Barney. Kayla. <laughs> Way to go, Jay. I didn't know that you found an audition tape of mine for the show. I had no idea that you had a copy of that. You do a good job. Yeah. So I can fake a good uh, purple dinosaur voice any day. Well, I want to welcome onto the program uh, the author, Melissa Stewart. She is the author of National Geographic Kids' Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. The book is called Ick, I-C-K. And we're going to be giving away a couple of the books, so uh, this is a far-out book. That's all I can say. <clears throat> Melissa, welcome to Talking Pets. Hi, it's great to be here. It's great to have you on with us, and um, I want to get into the uh, dirty of the book, you might say. And uh, this is one of those extreme... These are the kind of books that I like, because they're fun to talk about. <laughs> and the pictures are awesome. It, it, yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, who did the photography for the book? Because it is phenomenal. National Geographic has the biggest photo archive in the world, and so many of the books came directly from there. But they also have a crack team of photo researchers who are able to get them from just every place you can possibly think of. So there are many photographers from all over the world. Well, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, like right off the bat, with, you know, with your books. Animals, they're cute and fluffy, cuddly and puffy, and sometimes downright disgusting. And that's kind of the theme of your book, correct? That's right. Absolutely. Now, did you, what made you want to write this book? What made you want to put this book together? How did it start? 
I have always been intrigued by gross facts, and in fact, I've been collecting the information in this book for more than 20 years, and in the end, it features more than 45 amazing animal examples. So, I understand that, you know, it goes from ants to zebras and all kinds of strange animals and their behaviors, but I want to get into the to the dirty of it, you might say, right into um, finding out about the common housefly. What's so nasty, um, mm-hmm. other than it is kind of nasty, but what is so nasty about the housefly? One of the things that's really nasty is the way that it eats. So it vomits digestive juices on everything that it eats, and it, it, it actually can't eat solid food. It has to suck up liquids through a straw-like structure in its mouth. And so it vomits the digestive juices to break it down and turn everything solid into a liquid so it can eat them. Well, that's nice to know. What about um, also you get into the, uh, there's some birds that like to build nests with straw, but there's a certain bird in this book that likes to, uh, you might say, spit on it. What's that? Can you tell us a story on that one? Sure. That is that is the, uh, the swiftlet, and it lives in Southeast Asia. And it makes its nest from strands of spit. It builds the nest on side, inside cave walls, and it builds its one strand at a time. At, and one of the things that's most interesting is that some people, if they have been to different Asian restaurants, may have eaten um, a soup that is actually made from the spit, the strands of spit that come from the nest. And another thing, too, is um, some predators out there. There's um, one predator that actually uh, will fling its poop at its... Uh, just one? At, at its, Well, one of the prey at, at its predators, which is one poop. You want more? That's pretty common at the supermarkets <laughs> that I go to these days. Are you serious? <laughs> poop? Yeah. Just just in, you know, in instead of wearing masks, they, they get upset and they start flinging stuff. Uh, well... I don't know how many people actually take a dump on the floor in, the, in your grocery store and start throwing it around. Oh, it's before you even get in. It's in the parking lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> what animal the will they in your book? The, sil- the silver-spotted skipper caterpillar actually flings its poop. And the reason that it does it, it's, it's, not be- it's not the predator. It's actually the prey. And it does it to get the poop as far away from its body as possible so that predators won't be able to smell it. Well, I guess, I mean, that, that would, makes sense. That does make sense because of the fact, I mean, I know a lot of people now, um, if they have gardens around the house or in the yard, I should say, um, and they're growing vegetables like tomatoes and so on and so forth, um, what they do is they actually go to the local pet store, and a lot of pet stores will carry this now, is they pick up coyote pee and they sprinkle yeah. the coyote pee all around the garden and it keeps like the rabbits and everything else away. That's very similar to the Siberian chipmunk. It rolls in snake pee. To fool predators. Okay, I'm just. She's on the ball. <laughs> you just name a weird situation, and she can she can kind of uh, associate it with an animal. Did you like? How do you know this? Did you research this? She said twenty years. But did you actually see them do this? I have seen some of the animals in the book. So, for example. Um, one of the animals that is, it, I'm really fond of is called the bombardier beetle, and it squirts a nasty, hot, a scorching hot spray out of its butt. And I actually did see that when I was in college. Um, but the reason that I really wanted to put it in the book is because there's a more recent example. There's actually a video. If you go onto YouTube and you can see that a frog or actually a toad ate one of these bombardier beetles and inside before it could be digested it sprayed and sprayed and sprayed until finally 88 minutes later 
it was upchucked by the toad, so it was able to escape. And it was covered in slime, but it was after just a couple minutes, it was able to crawl away. Wow. I guess I, next time I'm out in the wilderness and I come across a bear or something like that, maybe I'll start pooping on him and see if he'll let me alone. <laughs> If you're, if you're that close, it's probably too late, John. Yeah, I know. I think so. Yeah, too. I'm not sure I would recommend that. Well, we're going to take a little break, Melissa. Um, hang on, and um, you can speak with Darian. Um, but once again, uh, we, you are listening uh, to Talking Pets. We want to hear from you guys out there. We're going to give away a copy of the book right now. So the third caller that calls in at 844-305-7800, you're going to get a copy of the book. And again... We're speaking with Melissa Stewart. She is the author. The book is called Ick, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. And it's an awesome book, awesome photography. There's some really weird stuff that animals do in here, so I know you're going to like the book. But it is available on bookstores and out online like Amazon, so you can check it out there. But once again, you are listening to Talking Pets, and we want to talk with you. So pick up the phone, give us a call, 844-305-7800. Don't forget, you can watch us, if you like, on uh, Facebook Live at Talking Pets Radio. No G in the talking. So watch us on Facebook Live at Talking Pets Radio. But the third caller to come into Darien right now is going to get a copy of the book, Ick. So call, and it's yours, 844-305-7800. 844-305-7800 and you're listening to Talking Pets. Moose is the German Shepherd and hasn't had any kind of health problems at all. He has been on Dynavite since he's a puppy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. We tell anybody that has a dog, if there was something that you could do right from the beginning so that you don't have expensive veterinary bills, why would you not do it? Get the Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Get some Dynavite. How happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 844-305-7800. That's the number to call. And we're speaking with Melissa Stewart. She is the author of Ick, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses by National Geographic Kids. Melissa, I did say that this is available online and in bookstores. Is it available there or other places too? Yes. Yep. It's available in both those places and it's perfect for ages eight to twelve i i think my son would probably adore that he's only four and a half and he has a book of um just weird looking animals and stuff and he loves looking at the pictures and he's he's an animal guy um just because of his parents but uh he, he loves learning facts and he will unfortunately you let him you know you read him these stories and he's going to share these with everybody that he knows and they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna think that his parents are disturbed <laughs> 
but he'll love it. I mean, he's a four-and-a-half-year-old, and, and he loves books like this. Yeah, Jay and uh, his wife, Katie, actually, were around animals, I think, most of your life. And we're talking, like, big animals, like <laughs> hippos and elephants and everything else. Gorillas, so, chimpanzees. So I would imagine you've seen some weird things. Yeah, yeah, but I've never gotten close to any of this, so, nope. you know. I, I avoid anything that sprays or flings poop or, you know. Well, once again, pick up the phone, give us a call, 844-305-7800. Now, I know we got George online, and we lost Melissa because for some reason when I clicked over to line two, line one disappeared. But, um, oh, no. but uh, how are you, George? How's your dog? Uh, Mojo's doing fine, John. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You, you know, have... Dealing with the whole COVID are you having thing. A good, yeah, you having a happy pandemic? I mean, geez. Yeah, it's, it's not getting it, better. It's not getting better. Around here, it's getting worse. Yeah, it's getting worse up here. Uh, yeah, you're you're in Washington, so uh, you yeah. guys were, were the beginning of the whole thing here in this country. Yeah, I don't want to be famous for that, but I'm I'm sorry we're not. You know, a lot of people aren't wearing masks and then, and they're out, uh, you know, partying and uh, swimming and having a good summer time like it's all over with and and of course it's spreading now and more people every day are getting hospitalized and they I, i'm afraid that they're going to get to a point where they're not going to be able to keep up with it it's it's pretty serious and some and florida's not doing too well either i hear so no we're uh, we're the uh, epicenter now yeah stay safe out there you guys hey i don't want it's to hear whole, any bad news it's a whole different world um of oh you know, yeah it's what's going on but yeah. what is your what's uh, your question for Melissa? Well, I wanted to ask Melissa if she's heard of that murder wasp, that uh, weird red colored, scary looking wasp that's supposed to be dangerous and murder hornet. It was, it's a hornet. Yeah, it is a hornet. Yeah, a hornet. Yeah, that's what it was. Hornet. hornet. Yeah, murder hornet. That's right. And I think I found one in my driveway when I was out cleaning up uh, poo and <laughs> with a shovel, and it was out there wiggling around out in front of my mailbox, and I, I thought. What the heck is that? You know, I thought it was uh, a cigarette butt or something, and I flipped it over, and it was this big orange, reddish, weird-looking, had real weird wings, and it was kind of moving a little bit. And I yeah, I picked it up, stuck it in the shovel, and I was carrying it around, and it flew away. We've done flew a away, couple so of I, stories. I get... We've done a couple okay. of stories on that hornet, and um, Washington, the state of Washington, is the one that kind of got hit with it first. Yeah, that's what I was, and they told people later that if they found one to save it, because they wanted to study it, and then I actually found one before I even heard about the story, and uh, and I kind of, uh, when I, I didn't, you know, I thought it was it was kind of stunned or something, I don't know what happened, maybe it hit a car, but it was laying out by my driveway, and when I picked it up, I just stuck it on the shovel where where I had the the dog poo and stuff, and, and uh, peacock stuff, and, and I just thought I'd leave it there, and take it back and look at it and, it and when i got about halfway back to the house it flew away it kind of came back alive and flew away it must have been stunned or something so melissa, i didn't get to have, save it melissa have you come across that that sounds like a really interesting insect but i have i am not familiar with it and it isn't in the book <laughs> they're real scary looking maybe there's a volume two yeah there you go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're real scary looking they, they look like something which that would show up during a pandemic, I'll tell you. They're, they're, I mean, it, they're scary. If you saw one, you won't want to get uh, stung by it. And they're they're a lot bigger oh. than the average bee. Yep, exactly. They're uh, like double the size of an average bee or something. They're, they're, I mean, that one I found was big. I just wish I could have saved it and, you know, I had proof of it. But, no, I don't think you, I don't think you anyway. want to do that. <laughs> yeah, just put it in your pocket. <laughs> What's the worst yeah. that can happen? <laughs> yeah, put it in your pocket. 
<laughs> hey, be careful what you be careful what you step in out there too nowadays. Yeah, no, true. Hey, George, uh, <laughs> congratulations! You're getting a copy of the book "Ick: uh, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses." That's coming out to you. And um, so maybe volume two, you might find something about the hornet in there, like uh, like Melissa was just saying. But give my best to Mojo well, and uh, and stay well. Yeah, I hope I hope Melissa is inspired by that story. Uh, yeah, thank you guys and uh, stay safe during this. What's going on? I sure hope everybody stays well. Thank you. Talk take to you care, later. George. You too. That's George out in Othello, Washington, and uh, we're speaking with Melissa Stewart. And the book is called Ick. Uh, delightfully disgusting animal dinners, dwellings, and defenses. We have another book to give away, so if you call right now, 844-305-7800. The book is yours, 844-305-7800. Hey, Melissa, i got a quick question. After you write a book like this, do you feel the necessity to kind of balance it with a book about, like, cute and fuzzy? Do, do you feel like you're, you want to move on to something that's a little bit different than disgusting and uh, stuff like that? Yeah, I do. In fact, the book that I'm writing right now is kind of a polar opposite. It's a much shorter <laughs> book, and it's about how animals respond to light from the moon. Oh, okay. And so I, it's probably going to be a picture book with beautiful illustrations of the moon and the animals. And, but all my books really look at amazing animal behaviors because there, there's just the, the stories that are out there are incredible. Well, I'm doing a book on Jay, too. Uh, actually, Jay Stutz, every time he drops his pants and the, the society sees that moon, what? we see how people react to it. <laughs> Not so good. And it usually only happens around the full moon, so I might be a good subject for your book. <laughs> nice. There you I, I, go. Hair, yeah, hair grows all over my body. I get fangs. and yeah. I want to find out, in your book, you talk about the uh, bone-eating snot flower worm. Where is that found? That is one of my favorites, and that is actually found deep under the ocean, and they live inside rotting whale carcasses. They actually, they are the only animal in the world that has roots, and they burrow into the bones, and they get nutrition from the, from the, the bones as the animal is decaying. Melissa, don't go away. I want to hold you over for a little bit longer. Can you stay for a couple more minutes? Sure. We're speaking with Melissa Stewart. The name of the book is called Ick. You can find it in bookstores. You can find it online. It's Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. It's National Geographic Kids Book. And if you call right now, you're the third caller. We're going to send out to you a copy of the book. So call right now at 844-305-7800. That's 844-305-7800. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. And the book, Ick, is yours. This is Talkin' Pets. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. You know, I have a whole zoo of fur babes and I'm always looking out for the best way to feed them and and make sure that their health and well-being is really at its best. You know, 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut and supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health really enables your fur babes to better fight environmental allergies. Well, Solid Gold is very passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system really impacts the immune system and the overall wellness of your fur babe. They were the first holistic pet food company in America since 1974 they've been going strong for 45 years 
and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain, grain-free options, wet food, supplements like sea meal, and 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high-quality food is the best way to impact our fur babe's mind, body, and spirit. Solid Gold foods are also different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods. They balance with living probiotics and fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids. All of this supporting gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out. Right now, to see the Solid Gold deal of the week, go to solidgoldpet.com slash petlife. That's solidgoldpet.com slash petlife. And you'll see the deal of the week. That's right. It's solidgoldpet.com slash petlife. And you'll see the deal of the week and be on your way to getting your fur babe the nutrition he or she needs. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. And I'm Jay Stutz. Kayla Kavanaugh. <laughs> Pick up the phone and give us a call at 844-305-7800. That's 844-305-7800. That's the number to call. If you want a copy of the book, we're going to give one away right now. So call 844-305-7800. This is a great book. It's from National Geographic Kids. It's called Ick. Delightfully disgusting animal dinners, dwellings, and defenses. Your kids are going to absolutely love it, and your adults as well. So make sure you get a copy of it. And I wanted to ask you a couple more questions, Melissa, before we say goodbye about your book. Because like I said, I am fascinated by this book. I, I love books like this. And um, I'm so glad to hear that. And the photography, like I said, is outstanding. And you get into so many things about, okay, this is what I want to ask you about. Termites, right? They build these mounds. Why are they so darn big? Like, some of them are gigantic. What's that all about? Believe it or not, there are millions, million, maybe a hundred million termites that live in one mound. But the majority of the mound, the where the termites are living, is actually under the ground. The giant mound that you see is basically, it's, it's kind of an air conditioning system to keep the termites cool because with all those bodies, there's a lot of body heat. And the way that that, that above-ground structure works, it transports air, cool air from the outside down into the area where the termites live. So that's why it's so big. Tell us also about, in your book, the red-billed oxpecker. Oh, that's one of my favorites. So it actually picks ticks off large African animals like rhinoceroses or wildebeest. And they are after blood. They have a real taste for blood. But it turns out that if the ticks are in low supply, they are also happy to nibble on earwax or dine on spit or snot or even dandruff. Well, that's one of the things that we need around because with uh, climate change and everything warming up, there's a lot more fleas and ticks out there. So we definitely need a lot more peckers out there taking care of them. So um, what better way to, you know, get rid of ticks than, you know... With the oxpecker. If only you could ask an oxpecker, like, what's your favorite? 
<laughs> I mean, it's just there's nothing in there that would you would think would be uh, tasty. But you know, you wish you could just say, "Hey, which one of those do you like the most? Spit, snot, dandruff, or ticks?" <laughs> I'm thinking ticks. It's, it's close to a protein as you could probably get from an animal. You know, I, I was I was reading part of the book, and I I was out well, I was out at my pool actually yesterday clipping my. <laughs> My fingernails, and all of a sudden I read this book, and I heard there's a certain creature that my that Kayla doesn't like uh, that actually loves fingernails. Can you tell us what that is? The cockroach. So cockroaches oh. will eat pretty much everything that you can think of, but they one of them is they're happy to eat fingernail clippings that are lying on the bathroom floor. And in fact, um, in in maybe the 1600s, sailors would sometimes end up on these cockroach-infested boats, and they would wear gloves to bed so that Ugh. the cockroaches didn't nibble on the nails that are still on their bodies. <laughs> That's nice. You know, another th- one more thing that I wanted to ask you about was I never knew that a snake can do this, but uh, to my understanding in your book that snakes actually do fart. The western horned, the western hook-nosed snake, which lives in Arizona and New Mexico, makes a farting sound when when uh, it's a defense strategy. So when something gets a little bit too close, it forces a stream of air bubbles out its butt, and the air vibrates against the inside of its lower intestines and makes a farting noise. Sounds and just, just like so you know, fart. John, we don't live in Arizona, so you can you have to stop blaming it on the snake, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna fly. Now I have the book. That was now like, I can verify it. That you should be in the studio here when Zach is producing. <laughs> yeah, he takes after that snake for sure. But well, Melissa, I want to thank you for joining us here on the show. It was a great pleasure, and I love your book, and I recommend it to everybody. National Geographic Kids, Ick. Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses by uh, Melissa Stewart. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us here on Talking Pets, and uh, please be healthy and uh, stay safe. You're welcome. Have a great evening. You too. Take care. That was Melissa Stewart. The book is called Ick, and again, I've got another copy if you'd like to get one, so call right now. The second caller, 844-305-7800, 844-305-7800. That's the number to call. If you want to get a copy of the book, Ick. So call right now, 844-305-7800. You know, it's funny, I, Jay, as long as I've known you for a long time, um, you've worked with a lot of weird animals and so on and so forth, too. But it was one, I, I'll never forget way back when, I don't know if you remember having this conversation, but you had told me about a movie that you were doing, and they needed flies yeah. <laughs> um, in the room, like an exorcism or something like that. And you had to make sure that these flies stayed in the room but there was a trick to it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It, they had to fly on a carcass. It was like a make-believe dead body, and you know, people people thought that I was the best trainer in the world because I could train flies to stay on a body and fly around when I wanted to. But it was just f- cooling them down, putting putting the fly container in a in a cooler, keeps them cool, makes them not be as active, and then as it starts to heat up, they fly around a little bit. And uh, they they got the shot that they wanted, and I looked like a superstar because I could train houseflies. That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. You know, um, too, with this book, you were talking about your son is going to love this book. I mean, this, will he get into the words and the or the pictures? Like uh, both. I mean, I think he he likes the facts. Uh, he he loves animals. We have a, a game that we play called the Animal Guessing Game, and he'll pick an animal, and you ask clues. You know, is this animal an insect? Is it a bird? And so. 
after reading a book like this, he will say, you know, he'll pick an animal, it'll be the snake, and he'll say, you know, this animal's a snake, and you'll ask clues, and he'll give you a clue, and he'll say, this snake farts, and you're going to have to have this book in order to get it right, because I guess there's only one snake that farts, so. The thing that amazes me with kids is that they're so much more intelligent than we are anymore. I mean, they can pick up a computer or a laptop or whatever or an iPad and do all these things with it, which I have no clue. I mean, and they could be like five years old. It just, it amazes me the technology that they're growing up at. But I don't know if older people like myself are just stubborn that we don't want to learn how to do it or... I think it's out of necessity because it just becomes such a such a part of human nature using the technology and stuff. But but my son, I mean, my son's starting to, to read, so he would notice some of the words and he definitely knows the you know animal animal words and stuff like that so yeah this this is a book that would uh unfortunately probably read it before going to bed but he's yet to have nightmares of of any of the stories that we read he has a book now this might do it though yeah no he has a book just like it and they and when you let him pick out his book he picks the book that has you know scary sharks and um you know weird weird looking animals in it and so he likes to read that before going to bed but i don't think he's had a nightmare yet but this this book might <laughs> might give it to him i'm just going to give you some advice right now <laughs> you know jeffrey dahmer son of sam uh you know the major serial killers out there don't tell me they were like into freaky animals and <laughs> and tortured animals eventually right, I'll, and i'll ease off and i'll go i'll go back to the <laughs> <laughs> to the Paw Patrol and the uh, yeah um, Barney yeah or something like that. there you go Sesame Street <laughs> yeah I think you might want to go that route <laughs> you know I, I turned the book open Ick and I was looking at there's a picture of an opossum possum in here and um, actually the Virginia possum can play dead for up to six hours I, me, I, me too it's called sleeping that's what I was gonna say <laughs> how do you know it's just not sleeping I I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I think it's yeah I think it probably goes into a little bit of a slumber. You know, it was interesting. Um, we adopted it, and if Kay wants to hold him up to the camera, you'll see the new patch. Um, this is Misty Patch, and she's only about three or four weeks old. She's a little kitty, and um, basically she was found on my friend's porch and abandoned, and coming at her when he brought her in the house uh, was a possum. So, Jay, a possum would actually eat her, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Oh, that size of a kitten? Yeah. 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 So that's what I was afraid of. So I, I was on the phone with my friend, and all of a sudden the little kitty was out on his porch, and he was like, are you going to... He was asking me to adopt him. And I was like, oh, I've got two now, but... Um. So anyway, we were discussing him, and then he had him on FaceTime, and then he goes, oh, look, there's a possum coming up on my porch. I was like, get rid of that possum, because <laughs> that possum will eat that kitty. Um. So I think we saved her life. She's adorable. Kay can't put her down. She's running the show on the board with the, with the cat in her hands. Well, once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, if you've got a question for Jay Stutz, pick up the phone and give us a call. We're open to your training or behavior questions, your comments, your stories. But if you'd like to get a copy of the book called Ick, we will send that out to you from National Geographic Kids. It's the author, Melissa Stewart. Call right now. Be the third caller and speak with Darian, and the book is yours. 844 844- 305-7800-844-305-7800. You're listening to Talkin' Pets. Pet Life.
Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Did you know that the cool cats and kittens in 82 shelters across the United States and Canada are now enjoying safer living conditions thanks to a new campaign by the Million Cat Challenge? Dubbed Portal Mania 2020, the movement has seen the installation of more than 2,400 portals in animal shelters. The upgrades connect two smaller cages, allowing for the separation of litter boxes from sleeping and eating areas. According to the Million Cat Challenge, the portals help keep cats healthier and happier, making them more likely to be adopted quickly. Multiple studies have looked at the effect of poor housing on cats and have linked it to a high incidence of stress-related illnesses, particularly upper respiratory infections, says Challenge's co-founder Julie Levy. Shelters frequently assume this condition is simply being spread from cat to cat like the flu, but what really happens is the cats are so stressed out they become ill. This will be a game changer for us and for the cats we care for, says Monica Wiley, executive director of Animal Friends of the Valleys in Riverside, California. With this setup, we will be able to reduce the likelihood of stress-induced illness and euthanasia for our feline friends. Launched in 2014, the Million Cat Challenge is a shelter medicine initiative with the goal of saving the lives of one million shelter cats in North America within five years. This target was met a full year ahead of schedule, allowing the program to shift its attention to ensure shelters are able to provide for the cats in their care. Happy cats equal happy homes, says Jenny Brown, executive director of the Humane Society of St. Joseph County in Indiana. We are excited to give the most vulnerable population within our shelter the space they need to decompress and find forever homes. For this and other stories, visit TalkingPets.com and join our social family. Reporting for Talking Pets, I'm Jay Stutz. The Indians send signals from the rocks above the pass. The cowboys take position in the bushes and the grass. The squaw is with the corporal, she is tied against the tree. She doesn't mind the language, it's the beating she don't need. She lets loose all the horses when the corporal is asleep. And he wakes to find the fires dead and arrows in his axe. And David Crockett rides around and says it's cool for cats, it's cool for cats. So I gotta ask you, Jay. Um, you know, with cat shelters and so on and so forth. I mean, what I showed you, Misty, my new cat, and she's only about four weeks old. She's very, very tiny. But this is where most of them end up. And she was going to be eaten by by a possum, or run over by a car, or you know, attacked by a dog, or disease would have probably taken her out. But a lot of cats that are outside, that's what happens: is they become feral. And then they have litters like this, and then the small ones usually don't make it. Something happens to them. But um, it, it's nice to see, see that the shelters are out there, but they sometimes get so filled that they end up being, you know, put down. And the most beautiful cats that you can ever imagine, and they're put to sleep. Um, same thing with dogs and so on and so forth. The one thing that's been going on with COVID now is not all, but a lot of shelters across the country have been 
cleared out. I mean, no pets at all. And and that's because people are taking them as fosters because, and you said it during the break, you know, with COVID going on, you can get so depressed so easily just being at home by yourself and alone that you need an outlet. So they're bringing in pets, but that's only going to last as long as COVID does. So you kind of wonder, are these people going to keep these pets or are they going to bring them back to the shelter? Um, but then again, what happens to all those new cats and so on and so forth? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a crazy time. And you just you, you also consider, too, that that um, the operation of a shelter can be dangerous to their employees. So a, a lot of them were trying to find homes for their pets so they could protect their their employees by not making them come to work as well. So, I mean, the what's going on is is changing the, the culture in so many different ways that I'm sure the. Um, the animal shelter uh, moving forward are gonna are gonna operate in different ways and look for new new ways to um, house animals and have volunteers or supporters take animals home and stuff. Everyone's trying to come up with how they're gonna operate their their businesses moving forward and with with everything that's going on. You know, like most of my life, I've worked from home, um, a home office. And it's worked very well throughout my career. And now that COVID's out there, you're finding a lot more people working from home. But now that they're saying they're opening up this and that, which if you look at the number is not necessarily a good thing, but they're opening up all these businesses and people are going back to their jobs, leaving behind their pets, um, which are going to be kind of lonely. Separation anxiety is going to kick in. Any recommendations for the people out there? Well, I, I mean, hopefully, there. I'm sure there are some people that went out and and they were home for periods of time, so they probably did go out and say this is a perfect time to get a puppy or to get a new pet. Um, and but they do have to realize that there's a transition that has to occur if if the schedule is going to change and they're going back to work. So they really have to um, learn a little bit about uh, how to prevent separation anxiety. They should be working on you know leaving the house i mean people are staying home they're not going out as much so it's dangerous to um not take the steps to get your your new pet used to the absence of you in the home and to create an environment in which the the that animal has things to do when you're away and it starts with getting out of the house and leaving leaving the pet alone for sh- short periods of time and then building up that time, making sure they have access to what we call long-duration toys, like Kongs that have things smeared in the middle or chew toys, um, rather than just um, a tennis ball or leaving them a couple snacks. So you have to look into uh, long-duration toys so that that animal can have something to do for longer periods, um, frozen treats, uh, throwing something um, in ice and, and having the dog have to chew around it and, and gnaw on it to get it, to get it out and then build up the amount of time that you're away for to make sure that that animal isn't going to have that separation anxiety when, when you end up going back to, to work. And, um, also potty training is a big one. Um, they, you're, you're working from home. You can take your dog out every hour, every time it goes to the door, but now you're going to have a pet that's going to have to be, um, have to st- stay inside and not have access to go outside to go to the bathroom for eight and nine hours. So you also have to get your dog back on that track. If you, if it's an adult dog that's already been potty trained, you might have issues if you've been letting it out every four hours while you were been at home. But, um, for, for, for younger pets that maybe that you just got, you have to decide if you want to potty train or paper train, which are two different things. Um, and they consist of different types of training. So, um, potty training is, 
There's no place to go inside, and paper training is showing a dog or, you know, that there's a there's a place that it can go to the bathroom inside if it has to, and slowly um, m- uh, moving that and shaping that so they modify it and, and hold it until they can go outside. So there's two different ways to do that. Well, once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. Don't forget, if you're uh, going to live your life with a pet, go to your local shelter or rescue and get one there. And don't forget, spay and neuter your pets and help control that pet population. From myself, John Patch. Jay Stutz. Kayla Kavanaugh. We say goodbye for this hour of Talking Pets, and a special thanks to Melissa Stewart, the author of Ick, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses from National Geographic Kids. Bye for now. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.